You're listening to Talking Liberties with the ACLU of Illinois. Here's your host, Ed Yonka, Director of Communications and Public Policy. The news of late has been filled with stories about the United States Postal Service. For most of us, this is a change. The Postal Service is an unsung, quiet part of our lives, allowing us to communicate with family and to do business. Enshrined in our Constitution, the Postal Service is a pillar of our democracy, and it will play even a more important role in that democracy this November when millions of Americans from all 50 states use the mail to vote in the safest way possible during this pandemic. But recent changes at the post office have raised concern and public attention. These concerns can be traced back to the appointment as Postmaster General of Louis DeJoy, who unlike all of his predecessors, had no postal experience. In May, with Mr. DeJoy in command, USPS quietly began moving massive letter sorting machines from facilities around the country. Many of these machines are called delivery barcode sorters, sort letters and like-sized mail, including ballots. The Postmaster General has publicly backtracked on some of his plans, but not everything. That led to action by the U.S. House of Representatives to pass additional funding and oversight for the post office and an appearance by the Postmaster General before the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. It is important to remember that voting by mail is safe and it is secure. The system of voting by mail has been around since the Civil War. 40% of all the votes cast in the 2016 election, 57.2 million ballots were cast by mail. Voting by mail works and it is critical to protecting the health of Americans during the COVID epidemic. Our guest today is a member of the committee that heard the Postmaster General yesterday. Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy was elected to Congress in 2016, representing Illinois' 8th District, which is located in the west and northwest suburbs of Chicago. After doing his undergraduate work at Princeton, he graduated from Harvard Law School. In addition to the Oversight Committee, the Congressman also serves on the House Select Committee on Intelligence. Congressman Christian Morthy, welcome to Talking Liberties. Thank you for having me, Ed. Uh, as we record this, yesterday, you were one of the members of the House Oversight Committee who got an opportunity to question U.S. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy about the crisis at our Postal Service. And I wonder what your big takeaways were from that hearing. Well, I have a couple takeaways, Ed. One is you know, my belief is that politics and the post office don't mix. And yet the leadership of the Postal Service is deeply enmeshed in party politics at the same time that they're running the post office. And so uh, necessarily, uh, there are a lot of question marks about how they are making decisions about important aspects of the Postal Service and what's motivating those decisions, especially in light of President Trump's recent comments that he's trying to hobble mail-in voting by not funding the USPS at the appropriate levels. The second takeaway I have is uh, Postmaster DeJoy, in my humble opinion, is disconnected with the reality of what it means for uh, individuals and families and businesses and everybody else who experience delays with regards to their mail. He thinks that on time means 
running your trucks on time per some kind of strange schedule, which I still don't understand what it is. But that is disconnected from whether or not the mail arrives on time. And that's what our constituents and that's what Americans are coming to expect, have always expected for 240 years. And unless you live up to the service standards of on-time delivery to your recipients, you're going to cause massive havoc and chaos, which is exactly what's happening right now. And I want to pick up on that point about constituents and, and people who use the service regularly. I just wonder like what your you and your office has been hearing from your constituents, from postal workers and et cetera, over the last few weeks. What has that been like for you? We have received a lot of email. We've received a lot of phone calls. We've even received U.S. mail, although I think it's delayed <laughs> and there's going to be a lot more coming. But we've received over 1,820. 12 pieces of correspondence complaining about, you know, delayed medications, delayed payments and parcels, especially for our small businesses, delayed social security checks. Um, you know, we had one veteran who recently had an organ transplant and he called us saying, where's my post-operative medicines? Um, this is a life and death issue. And so we should not minimize the stakes of what's involved. One of the things, obviously, that's been causing a lot of concern, and you, you mentioned it in your takeaways, was that the Postal Service recently sent letters to states saying they might not be able to handle their mail-in ballots. And I wonder if Illinois got that letter, kind of where your thinking is on that, and what the Postmaster General actually had to say about that in yesterday's hearing. Well, he got a lot of questions about this because, you know, especially in light of President Trump's comments the other day, he gets points for candor, I, I, I might add. You know, we really need to understand how the Postmaster General is going to treat, you know, uh, applications for uh, ballots as well as the ballots themselves. My biggest concern goes back to what I was saying before, which has to do with service standards and on-time delivery, Ed. Example, um, in the past, you know, decades, uh, election mail is treated always as first-class mail. And first-class mail, I'm sure that your listeners understand, has a service delivery time about one to two days, okay? And that, you know, from a nuts and bolts standpoint, what that means is that first-class mail gets out of the mailboxes as well as the post offices every night. They never get, it never gets left behind. Well, now, uh, what we're all concerned about is that people are given their past experience with U.S. mail and first-class mail are understandably going to wait till maybe the last week to mail in their ballots. And if, uh, if the USPS treated first-class mail the same way they did in the past, that's not a problem. However, with this new Postmaster General, if they don't treat it the same way, then it's possible that those ballots could arrive after Election Day. Now, in certain jurisdictions like Illinois, that's still okay because as long as it's postmarked before November 3rd in this case, um, it will be counted. However, in some other jurisdictions and states, it needs to arrive at the election authority by election day. So if it's out there floating around uh, and it hasn't arrived, well, guess what? It doesn't get counted and that voter gets disenfranchised. So that's a big concern. You've mentioned it twice, so I have to just ask, 
Are you more concerned about that, given the president's remarks about wanting to limit access to mail-in voting in the pandemic and the fact that the Postal Service didn't get additional money, they wouldn't be able to process the ballots and you couldn't have uh, mail-in voting? Does that concern you even more? It does concern me because I'll just give you another um, example from the line of questioning I made yesterday, which is the head of the USPS, the chairman of the board is a guy named Mike Duncan. Um, and Mr. Duncan, it turns out, is also on the board of American Crossroads and the Senate Leadership Fund. These are two very big Republican super PACs. Um, and I was shocked to learn that he was, by the way, uh, when I was doing my homework before my questioning. If the president is putting a lot of pressure on his uh, appointees to essentially carry through their quote unquote efficiency operation, which is uh, by the way, the operation that led to all the chaos that we've seen right now, and to continue with it as we go forward and not to live up to the service standards before um, because of, you know, the sentiments that motivated what he said. Well, guess what? I have a bad feeling that these guys who are too politically enmeshed are going to basically give in to that pressure. And that's what really bothers me. You know, for the last 50 years, we've really tried to cultivate a professionalized United States Postal Service with professional managers, professional board members, people whose real duty is to all Americans. And here, I'm not so sure. I don't get the feeling that these folks have that same uh, ethos. And so that's why I'm concerned. Over the weekend, the House passed a bipartisan measure to provide additional funding and oversight for the Postal Service. They held the hearing yesterday. What other measures do you think that, that Congress ought to be doing to help alleviate this, this problem as you've defined it? Well, I think, first of all, we, we need to get more information about the full extent of the problem. It turns out that the Postal Service did not turn over all the documents uh, that we had requested from the Oversight Committee with regard to the extent of the problem. And so without knowing the full extent of the problem, you can't fully solve it. So that's the first step. And uh, I think Chairwoman Maloney said that if we don't receive this information by Wednesday, we're going to subpoena the, the information. The second is, I personally believe that public pressure has been incredibly effective because we had almost 30 Republicans join all of us Democrats on Saturday voting for this bill. That almost never happens, by the way, Ed, on anything that yeah. the White House opposes. So they are feeling the same heat that we are. So all of your listeners should continue to call their members of Congress and senators on this issue. And then third and finally, I believe that I still believe that there will be continued stimulus talk. Uh, this obviously is going to be an issue uh, of great urgency during those talks. There's going to be great pressure to you know, fully fund the USPS and then go back to those service delivery levels from before the pandemic. Well, Congressman, I think I have kept you as long as I promised that I would. I cannot tell you how grateful we are for you coming and sharing this uh, information, especially in the wake of the hearing yesterday. Well, you know, you folks at the ACLU are some of the finest people in America, you're, you know, you're fighting for everyone's rights. And that's something I, you know, you don't care if people are Republicans, Democrats, independents, or what their political affiliation is. And we need people's rights to be vindicated. And one of those rights is the right to vote.
Um, I just conclude with a remembrance of my dear friend, John Lewis, who died just uh, within the last month. And uh, he was a mentor and a friend. And he fought and bore the scars of earning the right to vote. In his memory, we all must remember that just as quickly as we have been granted the right to vote, that right to vote can also disappear. And we cannot allow anyone to be disenfranchised. We cannot allow uh, anyone's voice not to be heard. And so we have to fight to make sure that the right to vote remains viable and alive in the 2020 election. We're with you, Congressman. Thank you so much and keep up the good work. Yes, sir. Thank you. To our listeners, remember that you can safely vote by mail and you can help by doing so early. Do not wait until deadlines approach before you request or return your application for a mail-in ballot and then return that ballot as soon as possible. Doing so will help assure that your ballot is returned on time. For more information about voting in Illinois this election, go to our website at www.aclu-il.org slash 2020 election. Thank you for listening to Talking Liberties with the ACLU of Illinois. Talking Liberties is produced by Max Beber. Our content supervisor is Kimberly Kozeel. Our executive director is Colleen Connell. Subscribe to this podcast and rate us when you can. Visit our website at aclu-il.org or contact us directly at talkingliberties, one word, at aclu-il.org. Until next time, this is Talking Liberties with the ACLU of Illinois. We will see you soon.